Well, um, we've got some outlines here. I'm going to play a quick video at the end of my message. We've got, uh, but I promise you an outline of the book of Ephesians with declarations from chapter 1. So those are here as promised. So, All right, we are in a series on the book of Ephesians called Heaven's Treasure Chest. And I feel like it's kind of like the Himalayan mountain. It's just kind of like going from peak to peak. It's like this rarefied atmosphere up here. It's just one blessing after another. And so we saw, we looked at, there's just this avalanche of blessings that Paul says. Once you became united to Christ, all of these things became available to you. And here's the thing, is you can't see, taste, hear, smell, or feel them. How many of you guys realize that there's things that happen in the born-again realm and the spirit realm that don't automatically just happen in your feelings? Have you guys figured that out yet? Are there other days when you, anyone want to be honest enough to say, I don't actually feel saved? Has anyone ever had that happen yeah. this morning? Yeah, and so... Yeah, I have that happen too. And so Paul, he pulls back the curtain and says, this is what has happened. And so he mentions blessings that happen from the Father, blessings from the Son. Last week we looked at blessings from the Holy Spirit, how you are signed, sealed, and delivered by the Holy Spirit of God. And so this week we're going to look at Paul begins to pray a prayer. It's like, what do you pray for the church that has everything? He said, you've already received every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Like, you guys have got... Everything heaven contains is now available to you. It's sealed in your spirit. So how do you begin to draw those things out? All of this, this heavenly bank account, this treasure chest. Is it buzzing here? All right. I just want to make sure I wasn't having an encounter. All right. Because then I was going to ignore you guys. All right. So Paul begins to pray this epic prayer, and he gives us insight. How do you begin to take what's in your spirit and get it into your experience? Okay? And so oh, it's interesting. I don't think I told you guys this. So he's praying this for the Ephesians. Do you guys know what the word Ephesus means? It means darling. So here's, God's, here's, uh, here's a prayer for God's darlings here, you and I. So verse 15. Because of this, since I first heard about your strong faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your tender love towards all his devoted ones. And I just want to say this. Paul heard about two things, and I want this to be true of every person in here, that they would hear of our strong love, I'm sorry, our strong faith and our tender love. So, Lord, as Paul prays that prayer, we just say, God, let that be true of, uh, of our reputation in Columbus, of our reputation in this country, God, that they would, we would be known for our strong faith and our tender love in the days to come. All right, verse 15 again. Uh, actually, verse 16. My heart is always full and overflowing with thanks to God for you as I constantly remember you in my prayers. So, verse 17. I had planned on doing six verses we're actually going uh, to get through one phrase of verse 17 here. So I'm going to camp on one phrase. So you guys good with that? So I'm going to read you the whole verse, but we're not going to cover the whole verse. It could actually, we can unpack it for weeks, but maybe we will. Okay, verse 17. Here's Paul's beginning of his prayer. I pray that the Father of glory, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, would impart to you the riches of the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation, to know him through your deepening intimacy with him. It's interesting, he uh, prays his prayer to the Father of glory. Another translation could say, the glorious Father. If he's the Father of glory, what does it mean he gives birth to? Glory. Okay, there we go. I know, I've been guilty of uh, asking you trick questions in the past, and you have every right to be a little gun-shy of answering out loud. But the correct answer is glory. Um, he fathers the realm of glory. God is the father of a realm of limitless possibility. And so here Paul is praying to the father of glory, the Lord of our Jesus Christ, that he would impart to you a release of the spirit of wisdom on the inside of you. So I want you to get this picture. The spirit of wisdom is a picture from the Old Testament. Paul's picking it up here. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to basically answer two questions the rest of today. What is the spirit of wisdom and how do I get it? Does that sound good? 
Okay, so the spirit of wisdom. Let's just kind of begin to uh, unpack it here just a little bit. There's a, there's a place in Isaiah 11 uh, that talks about the sevenfold spirit of God. There's the seven spirits of God. And he, uh, he mentions them here in verse 2. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and power, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord, speaking of the Messiah. So there's this picture of the Holy Spirit, and he's seen in like seven different dimensions in here. So I want you to get this picture. In John chapter 7, Jesus said that when the Holy Spirit comes and lives on the inside of you, it will be like rivers, plural, of living water. It's not just one river, okay? There's rivers, plural. So I want you to picture you've got seven rivers on the inside of you. The Holy Spirit. And Jesus walked in these perfectly. As he walked, he walked. I mean, that verse was actually about him, Isaiah 11 too, that the, the Messiah would come and he would walk in this sevenfold spirit. So when you got born again, the Holy Spirit came and lived on the inside of you, and it's as if these seven rivers are ready to rage. And so Paul says, what I want to have happen to you is because of all these treasures of heaven, I want this Holy Spirit to begin to, let's just say, unblock the dam, or to let the water level rise so that the spirit of wisdom begins to flow into your life. Thank you, sweetheart. <laughs> I actually got that during worship, so I didn't even have that in the notes. So there we go. Yay. Thank you, Lord, for the spirit of revelation. That's next week. Well, I'll be in Uganda, but when we, whenever we get back here. If I don't tell Uganda stories the whole time, I'll try not to. All right. I want to just kind of look at the macro here picture for a second. Paul is actually not praying this for himself. He's praying it for a region that he's never been to. The Ephesians had never met Paul. And so uh, it's legal in the kingdom to pray for a region for an impartation of the spirit of wisdom and revelation, even though you've never been there. I want you to get that picture. And so, I, I mean, this is my number one prayer for my family, for my life, for our region, is that the wisdom of God, that the Spirit of God would just be released and imparted. See, an impartation can happen not just with hands laid on the head. It can actually be an apostolic prayer over a region. I believe the two anointings or manifestations of the Holy Spirit that the church most desperately needs is wisdom and revelation. So today I'm going to be talking about uh, the spirit of wisdom today. So what is it? How do I get it? All right. So there's a story in the Old Testament. What is the spirit of revelation? I'm sorry, what is the spirit of wisdom? I'm all excited up here. I'm going to try to calm down here a little bit. What is the spirit of wisdom? There's a story in the Old Testament where King Solomon, he is the son of David. Remember King David, David and Goliath. He was the king of Israel and uh, during one of, its, one of its best times. So he has a son named Solomon. He'd been tra- he began training Solomon in the ways of wisdom. He knew that, imagine being raised knowing that you're going to one day be king. And so with the Proverbs we read, oftentimes uh, Solomon wrote many of the Proverbs, and he said, like my father told me, pursue wisdom, seek wisdom, treasure it above rubies. So he had this quest for wisdom in his heart as a young man. And so here he is, he's he's the king of Israel, and God comes to him in his dream. And it's an amazing thing that God trusts him so much that he trusts Solomon to make a life-changing decision that will not only change his life, but will change the destiny of a nation. He comes to him in his sleep. I would propose to you that this isn't an isolated case. See, Solomon knew what was going on. He said this in Song of Solomon 5.2, I was asleep, but my heart was awake. Do you realize that your spirit man doesn't sleep? It doesn't get tired? And so the reason God comes to you in dreams oftentimes is because uh, you can't really fight him in your dreams. You know, it's, it's like, you, know, you can't be like, no, no. It's like your spirit man's awake and he comes to you and he tells you these things. And then sometimes, you know, they're oftentimes they're in strange symbols and signs. You know, there's like, 
elephants that are flying and you're like riding on them. You know, it's like, what is going on in these things? And so, maybe not literally, but you get the picture. They're, they're full of signs and symbols. And so, it takes the spirit of revelation to show us what those things mean. And so, here is Solomon. God comes to him. So, I'm going to read it to you. Verse, First Kings chapter 3, beginning in verse 5. At Gibeon, that was a city, the Lord appeared to Solomon during the night in a dream. And God said, ask for whatever you want me to give to you. So here he is in this dream. So his, his heart, his spirit is going to be exposed here. Solomon answered, verse 6, You have shown great kindness to your servant and my father David, because he was faithful to you and righteous and upright in heart. You have continued this kindness to him and have given him a son to sit on his throne this very day. Now, Lord, my God, you have made, me, you have made your servant king in place of my father David. Listen to the humility of this king. This is a guy who, who can command anything. I want you to just see his approach here. But I am only a little child and do not know how to carry out my duties. Man, if that, we're going to see that that kind of heart attracts wisdom. It attracts the spirit of wisdom. I'm only a little child. I don't know how to carry out my duties. Your servant, not the king of Israel, your servant is here among your people you have chosen. A great people, too numerous to count or number. So give your servant a discerning heart. And the Hebrew word here used for discerning, uh, other translations say understanding, is the Hebrew word shema, which means to hear. Remember um, in Deuteronomy 6, there was something that the, uh, the Jews pray every day today, the, the religious Jews. Uh, it says, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Remember here? The word here there is shema. Actually, the Jews actually call it the shema. Hear, O Israel. So I want you to get this picture. God comes to Solomon in a dream, and he says, I'm like a little child. I don't know how to lead these people. They're, they're amazing. There's too many of them. God, give me a hearing ear, is what he asked for. And uh, I love the Lord's response. It is so wonderful. The Lord was pleased that Solomon had asked for this. And, God, and so God said to him, since you've asked for this, and not for long life or wealth or for yourself, not ask for the death of your enemies, but for discernment and administering justice, I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart. So that there will never, so there will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for, for both wealth and honor, so that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings. And if you walk in obedience to me and keep my decrees and commands as your as your as David your father did, I will give you a long life. Then Solomon awoke and he realized it had been a dream. Here's what, here it is in my words. Solomon says, "Give me a heart that hears you," and God said, "Okay." I'll give you wisdom. We get, it, we get great insight into what wisdom is. Wisdom is the heart that longs to hear God, and out of that longing, we begin to see what God sees and know what God knows about a situation. Think a lot, it's not, we're talking about a spirit of wisdom. We're not talking about you just have wisdom. Like, oh, I've got some business experience. I've got some ministry experience. I can, I can kind of look back on what I've, what I've grown in. That, that's human wisdom. That's human experience, Okay. The spirit of wisdom is literally where God comes. It's, it's a present tense relationship. You're walking in a spirit of wisdom. It's not like suddenly you got the spirit of wisdom. Bam, I'm smart. Like, man, I, I just know what to do. You know, what, what is it? I know what we're going to do today. Phineas and Ferb. It's, it's not that, that, that you just suddenly know things. Okay? It's this heart that longs to draw close to put your ear to God's mouth. And out of that, you're going to walk in this spirit of wisdom. There's going to be impartation. That river inside of you is going to begin to flood into your life. And you're going to be able to see and know what God knows. Listen to Proverbs 2.6. For the Lord gives wisdom. Are you ready for outcomes? From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. 
See, wisdom is a relational word. It's not an intellectual word. God alone is the source of wisdom. Proverbs 9, verses 4 through 5 in the Passion Translation. Whoever wants to know me and receive my wisdom, how do you get it? Come and dine at my table and drink my wine. Are you guys seeing that? that remember what we read, and he said it was um, the spirit of wisdom and understanding to deepen your intimacy with him. It's just kind of this cycle. The more you see like God, the more that, that spirit, that river begins to flow in your life, the more you get to know him, and the more you get to know him, the more that river deepens in your life and begins to flow. You see what I'm saying? Proverbs 2, we're, uh, we're told to treasure wisdom. It says, train your heart to listen when I speak. So again, wisdom is that picture of that hearing heart. It's that, God, uh, I long to hear your voice because I know every word is going to be amazing. I know it's going to be so much better than my thoughts. In the book of Proverbs, which, again, Solomon wrote most of them, uh, wisdom is personified. And so you often see um, wisdom calls out. Listen to wisdom. Wisdom appears to you. and you, um, Listen to wisdom's voice. You'll hear things like that. So listen to um, Proverbs 8, 1 through 6. I, I believe we have it up on the screen. Um, can you hear the voice of wisdom? Again, uh, it's being personified as a person, okay? We're going to see in the New Testament that Jesus actually is this person of wisdom. So I want you to hear this as if Jesus were speaking it to you. Can you hear the voice of wisdom, okay? From the top of the mountains of influence, wisdom is going to have answer for every area of influence that you'll ever walk into, whether it be the mountain of arts and entertainment, media, business, commerce, government, religion, education, whatever it is, wisdom is calling out from the tops of these mountains. How are we going to transform a city? We're going to need wisdom. We're going to need the spirit of wisdom. It isn't just for your personal Bible study. It isn't just for your family. It's actually how cities get transformed. From the top of the mountains of influence, she speaks into the gateways of the glorious city. At the place where pathways merge, at the entrance of every portal, there she stands, ready to impart understanding, shouting aloud to all who enter, preaching her sermon to who will listen. Do you see this? She's shouting aloud. She's got a voice. She's looking for those who will listen to that wisdom. I'm calling to you, sons of Adam. Yes, and to your daughters as well. Listen to me, and you will be prudent and wise. For even the foolish and feeble can receive an understanding heart that will change their inner being. The meaning of my words will release within you revelation for you too. Are you ready for this? Reign in life. My lyrics will empower you to live by what is right. Reign in life doesn't mean that every Christian is going to be at the top of every sphere of influence. You know, I've, I've often joked, like, we don't necessarily want Christians at the top of making movies. They've, they haven't done a great job so far at making amazing movies. But we want to be able to have influence in those things, in, in government and education. Reign in life means that we have authority and solutions for whatever problem sits in front of us, and those authorities aren't earthly, they're heavenly. We begin to reign like a king. Again, Christians reign best when they're serving and loving. Okay, That doesn't mean God, God can't put us in positions of influence and uh, in, in governance and things like that. But in those positions, we use them to serve others. Paul says, God, you've given me authority not to... Um, to tear people down, but to build others up, okay? I, I was listening to some preacher the other day, and he's like, you know, the wealth of the wicked is stored up for the righteous, and when we get that, that means we're going to own all the banks, and we're going to own all this, and then they're going to have to put our TV shows on the, on, and I'm like, oh, like, that's not the idea, is we get to call the shots now, and you guys are going to, no, 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 we're going to come in, and we're going to serve, and when people see, taste and see that the Lord is good, they're going to want it, 
Not because they have to, because there's no other choices, but because there's nothing better than the king. Wisdom is a gift of the Spirit that enables someone to have a hearing ear so that they know what God is seeing and they know what God is saying in that circumstance. Here's how wisdom shows up. I want, I want to create an appetite for wisdom in you today. Because, I mean, throughout the Bible, it's like she's more precious than rubies, more than any other jewel. Search for her with all your heart. Why? Do you, when you're about to see what's going to happen in your life as a result of wisdom, it's like, I need this. I need every voice of God. He says it's like a choice morsel to my soul. Okay? Um, wisdom shows up in supernatural skill. It shows up in insight. Uh, it shows up in understanding, a God-given ability to discern, uh, the ability to strategize, to implement specific goals and see them come to pass. I believe um, it, it, there's a judicial and a governmental anointing that comes out of the spirit of wisdom. I believe that many of our righteous judges, some of the ones that are just the best there, they actually have this spirit of wisdom resting upon them. You see, when it came upon Solomon, remember he was, uh, part of his job as king was to judge the tough cases. And so these two women came with one child, and both of them were saying, this is my baby, this is my baby. The spirit of wisdom came upon Solomon, and he said, here's what we're going to do. Since you both say the baby is yours, we're going to cut the baby in half, and you can each have half. And the one mother's like, fine, I'll take half. And the other mother, says, she starts crying, and she says, no, don't touch the child. She can have it. Solomon says, ah, only a true mother would not want the uh, child harmed. Take it and give it to this one. Remember that? That's that judicial anointing there. Um, I believe it involves marketplace wisdom. Wisdom for business that becomes a blessing to others. It adds massive value to other people's lives. There was a, a craftsman in the Old Testament named Bezalel. Everyone remember Bezalel? Remember his, uh, his, his cohort, Ohaliab? Yep. And so, whatever happened to those names? I don't know. And so, Bezalel, he had this, it, said, it specifically says the spirit of wisdom came upon him. I think it's Exodus 34. I don't remember uh, the verses. Exodus 34. And uh, it says the spirit of wisdom came upon him and some other things came upon him and enabled him to have a specialty in crafts and making uh, articles for the tabernacle. He actually built the uh, Ark of the Covenant. He's the one who built the lampstand. You guys remember this? So there was a supernatural ability. So there's actually this entrepreneurial anointing that comes upon somebody when the spirit of wisdom comes upon them. There's an entrepreneurial anointing that comes upon you when the spirit of wisdom is imparted to you from your spirit so that you become wiser than your boss. Look at Joseph. So that you stand out among all your other co-workers. Look at Daniel. Again, I'm not talking about natural talents. Okay, Obviously, we take our natural talents. We work hard. There's diligence. We'll talk about that a whole other time. Okay? I can't go into that because, yeah. There's an entrepreneurial anointing that comes out of the spirit of wisdom. What's the spirit of wisdom? It's this hearing ear that says, God, show me how you see this situation. You see, remember how if it says faith comes by hearing? The idea is um, there's this present tense relationship with God, and out of that, faith comes. I'm hearing his voice in this situation, and faith rises up. You guys get that picture? It's kind of the same thing with the spirit of wisdom. That there's this present tense relationship where my ear is to his mouth. My heart is leaning into his words, longing to hear his voice, and as soon as I do, I'm going to be quick to obey. That's the idea there. And as I do that, there's this sevenfold spirit inside of me, and one of them is this spirit of wisdom. It's beginning to rise up. It's going to begin to flow in my life. I'm going to begin to see how God sees and hear what he hears in this situation. And as I move in it, there's going to be skill. There's going to be insight. There's going to be understanding. There's going to be solutions. There's going to be entrepreneurship. There's going to be governmental. You guys get in the picture? I'm just going to just read a couple of the results of wisdom just from the first three chapters. There's 31 chapters in Proverbs. 
I'm just going to give you some from the first three, okay? Just to whet your appetites here a little bit. You guys ready? Can I pour some salt in your tongue? All right. What would happen if this spirit of wisdom began to flow into your life? Uh, a living fountain of understanding within you. There would be wisdom acts as your personal bodyguard, protecting and guarding you. You will be empowered to make right decisions as you walk in your destiny. True pleasure would enter your soul. It will rescue you from evil in disguise. It will empower you to reign in life. You will be able to acquire brilliant strategies for leadership. It will bring you success. You will have a full and rewarding life. You will find favor and understanding with both God and men. You'll gain the reputation of having a life well lived. It will bring healing refreshment for your body and your spirit. Wealth and promotion. It says you will not only have wealth and riches, but the righteousness and wisdom will show you what to do with the wealth and riches. There's two times where you really need wisdom from God with money. When you have very little, you need wisdom on what to do with it. And when you have a lot, you need wisdom on what to do with it. All right. About three people got that one. Okay. Um, Confidence in times of crisis. That's just from the first three chapters. I mean, is there any wonder it says, seek with this with all your heart? It's a treasure above all things. Can you see why Paul prayed this for his darlings? Is God, there's been this unbelievable treasure chest that's been given in the moment they became born again. Now, they're going to need to hear your voice on how to apply these things. And we're going to see they're going to need revelation to even see what's there. We'll look at that another time. Okay? So, what is wisdom? I think I painted the picture there. It's, it's, it's the spirit of the indwelling Christ on the inside of you. It's one of his aspects. And as it begins to flow into your life, you're going to see and hear what God hears. And it comes from drawing. It's a heart that longs to hear what his mouth says. So, how do I get the spirit of wisdom in my life? You guys ready? Here's one quick way. Ask. <laughs> What's Paul doing? He's praying. He's praying for these things. And we, we know that we need to ask in faith. I love this um, passage in uh, James uh, chapter 1. Here's verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God. That's pretty good right there, guys. If, like, if you don't get anything else, like I'm going to pray for the spirit of wisdom. Even though I don't know what it means, I'm praying for it. God, give me that heart that longs to hear your voice. Uh, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault. Ah, well, I don't know if they've been hungry enough. I don't know if they've been good enough. No, 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 no. That's not how he gives it. He gives it without finding fault. He gives it generously. He doesn't give with a closed fist like, oh, they're fasting. They're prying open my hand. Ah, they're getting wisdom. He's like, man, I've got this. I'm just waiting for them to turn their heart towards me. I'm waiting for this dump truck into their life. That's the heart of God. See, it takes revelation to see it so we can get our heart there. But once we get our heart there, wisdom. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is a double-minded and unstable person in all they do. Yes and amen. All right. Like, Jim, could you go back to that first part of that verse? That sounded a whole lot better. Just ask and yeah, yeah. But when you ask, you know, oh, I'm so unworthy. I don't know if he's going to do it. No, no, that's, that's called throwing a dime in the wishing well. Prayer is, God, you paid for this. You absolutely said you would give me wisdom. So, God, here I am in this situation. I love the way that God creates things. Is He has his spirit hover over chaos, and then he begins to speak into those situations. That's a great formula. We're gonna, when we talk about the wealth creation process in January... 
actually, I'm going to do a seminar in September here in the church because I, I physically cannot take it. <laughs> so uh, September 9th, I'm changing the healing training to a financial training. But we're going to look at how, um, you know, you're given the power to create wealth. And how does God create? He hovers over the chaos with his spirit. He begins to speak into those situations, and he sees to make sure that it's good. And then he wants it to be fruitful. And then he wants it to multiply. And then he wants it to fill the earth and subdue. There's four steps to any, anyway. It just felt good to just get a little bit of it out. I know you didn't catch any of it, but it was for me. It was for me. It, okay. So how do I get the spirit of wisdom in my life? So ask is one great way. But I want you to also see here, there's a life that attracts wisdom. I think there's this thing that people are so afraid to do anything because it'll be works rather than have it be wisdom to cooperate with what God has put out there. So, I mean, some people are like, oh, you know, anything's works. So, okay, well, then why are we commanded to pray? Why are we commanded to fast? Why are we commanded to seek? Why does it say he rewards those who diligently seek? Those are all New Testament scriptures, by the way. You see what I'm saying? So I'm not doing something to get him to bless me. I'm going and searching it out because he already has blessed me, knowing that me partnering with him in this searching process actually prepares me to become the person who can carry the answer. Okay? God knows what he's doing. He's really, he's, he's really awesome. Okay? So I want to just begin to describe, I remember talking about how do I get wisdom? Ask, but then there's a certain lifestyle, there's certain heart postures that begin to attract wisdom like a magnet. Okay? So uh, Proverbs 9.10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Here is in the Passion Translation. The starting point for acquiring wisdom is to be consumed with awe as you worship Jehovah God. First one's a lot easier to memorize, but boy, that second one sure is powerful too, all right? You can pray till you are blue in the face for somebody to receive. I've seen this happen. I prayed for someone to receive the spirit of wisdom on them, and God comes and wrecks their life. Other people, you can pray till you're blue in the face, and the spirit of wisdom will not touch them. Why? Because they don't fear the Lord. God doesn't just come and mug somebody who doesn't want anything. You see what I'm saying? I mean, he's writing this to believers that the spirit of wisdom comes. And he says that um, it begins with the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the awesome respect for the person of the Lord, Jesus, and his authority. Well, Jim, Jesus is my daddy. He is. Absolutely. That is, that is true. God, God is our father. He's our Abba. But he's also a consuming fire. There's many aspects to God. There's not just one aspect of your relationship with him that covers everything. Okay, and so um, God doesn't want you afraid of him, but there is a trembling fear before his presence that is a very real and healthy thing. Jim, trembling fear, is, it's all throughout the Old Testament. That's the picture of the heart of I'm so in awe of him. And so, I mean, we, we see it at like a human level. I mean, have you ever seen the, uh, the flashing lights and the roar of the siren in your rearview mirror? What happens? There's a healthy respect for authority that begins to come into your life in a very quick way. I remember when I was uh, 16, had my driver's license, I had a job. I had to be there at like 6 in the morning. And so I, had, uh, I was running late for it, and I was at the stoplight, and no one was looking. And so I just went ahead and treated it as if it were a stop sign. You know, I mean, what's the big deal? You know? And so, and, so um, uh, and my dad told me, Jim, um, if I ever catch you hot riding in the car, which it was a 1979 Caprice Classic station wagon. I'm not sure what, what kind of hot riding he thought I was going to do in this giant boat, you know. And uh, two-tone, it was awesome. Uh, my friends call it the urban assault vehicle. I'm like, I don't even know what that means. I'm like, what does that have to do with anything? Anyway, and he says, if, you, if I catch you hot riding or if you get a ticket, I'm going to take away the car, and of course, you'll pay for the ticket and any uh, raise in insurance. And so, 
You know, that, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. And so um, as I see the, the lights and I hear the roar of the siren, Dad's words begin to go through my heart. And so I, don't, I was kind of a tender, a, a tender kid back then, as opposed to the hard-hearted fool I am now, and I don't know. <laughs> and so, I, uh, so the cop pulls me over, and <laughs> I start crying. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry, officer. I know I was wrong. My dad says he's going to do this. And the officer, and like, instead of like, scolding me, he starts comforting me. He's like, listen, listen, son, it's okay. Like, I, I've been late for work, too. It's okay. Listen, you just be careful. And it wasn't like a technique to try to get out of it. I literally was just like scared. So there's this healthy respect of, of authority that's part of that fear, but that scared, sinking feeling, that's not part of it with God. It's not this, I'm afraid he's going to hurt me. I'm afraid he's going to take away my license. I'm afraid. That, that's not what I'm talking about with this fear. But there's that healthy respect of authority that begins to say, you know what, when, when, when God speaks, like, that is a treasure. Every one of his words are perfect and right and true, and they're for my benefit. They're never to hurt me, even if they make me uncomfortable. Just as hearing is relational, fear of the Lord is relational. I, th- I didn't see this till this morning, I, uh, but the seventh spirit of God in, in um, Isaiah 11:2. Uh, here's number six, the spirit of knowledge. Here's number seven, the spirit of the fear of the Lord. I, I don't know how I missed that one. That's actually one of the seven spirits. And so God, we, we just begin to, you can just begin to pray, God, that fear of the Lord that, is, that you carry, that the Holy Spirit, when he comes upon you, he brings an awe of God with him. There's nothing in Christianity that we're supposed to work up on our own strength. Okay, i got to start fearing God. You see how beautiful this is? As I begin to incline my heart towards him, and the Holy Spirit begins to flood into my life, there's this fear, there's, there's respect, there's this holy awe that begins to enter into my life. Not out of human will. It's just positioning my heart, and these are the things that begin to happen. The fear of the Lord is a relational thing. It's not just this, this fear of consequences thing. So I remember when I was, uh, I was 14 years old and the movie Rambo 2 came out. How many of you guys remember the glorious day that Rambo 2 came out? And so uh, John Rambo was a Green Beret. And one of the best things about him was he had these ama- an amazing knife. So there was always a scene where, you know, he's got his you know, sleeveless shirt on you know, and the, and the light's just right. And for some reason, he always looked oiled up in these scenes. I'm like, uh, like, 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 you know, I don't normally oil myself up for, like, putting on my socks, but he, like, apparently Rambo does. And so there's a scene where he's, he's flexing, and he's, you know, he's, he's sharpening the knife just right. Me and my friends went crazy over Rambo knives. And so we got these uh, knives for $14.99. It's funny, I found them the, a little while ago. I passed it down to Evan. And so the Rambo knife has like a compass and like the handle and you can unscrew it and it's got like waterproof matches and it's got like this little wire for like getting twigs and the back of it has like a saw blade and some other junk in there. I mean, these things are $14.99. They're just cheap. And I remember I got mine coated with this black thing and so like the moonlight wouldn't reflect off. I don't know what I thought I was going to be doing with this Rambo knife. And so my friend's parents had this place up north and so me and Todd and Dave, we had our Rambo knives and we are sharpening them in the car the whole way up there. And we are, I mean, these are, you know, three white kids from the suburbs, you know. And so uh, we're in like eighth grade, and we're talking about how we're going to live off the land. I'm serious. We like had all these great dreams, and we're like, okay, you know, you know we're going we're gonna to make a trap. We didn't know how to make a trap. We're going we're gonna to set this trap, and you know, we're going to do this. And 
And so we get up there, and we are, we are filled with testosterone. We are just filled with, we want to do something amazing. So we found ourselves, like, running through the woods and, like, stabbing trees and, like, cutting down, like, we try to, like, cut down branches, but it took too long. So we're, like, basically going for, like, these little twigs, like, yeah, yeah. And we came across, like, this, um, like this desolate, like, screened-in porch, like, in the middle of the woods. And it kind of looked abandoned. And so this was bad. I, but um, we started uh, stabbing the, the screened-in porch, and... There was a movie. What was that movie with um, Patrick Swayze where the Russians invaded and they remade it? What's it called? Red Dawn. Yes. Not only had we recently watched Rambo, we had recently watched Red Dawn. And so one of the things that they did to like kind of diss the Russians is they like spray painted, not Russia, whatever it was, yeah, the Russians, is uh, they spray painted Wolverines in red paint. Uh, it was like the name of like their high school team. And so somehow we find ourselves carving wolverines into the screen in the port. So we, we're, we're, you know, it's bad. We're defacing property. But we thought it was abandoned in our defense. So uh, fast forward two days later. Um, we're at the, uh, my friend's place. There's a knock on the door, and uh, the owner of the property that has a screen and porch had tracked us down by the way, like, the, the leaves were bent in the grass. And like, oh, my God, I think it was Rambo. I think it was, like, like his brother. And so... Um, Ronbo, I don't know. And so, um, so he comes there, and we, we were feeling horrible. And so at first we thought we'd lie. And, but, that, <laughs> but we broke quickly. And, um, and so um, my friend's dad, Todd's dad, he's just like, all right, we'll, we'll take care of this. We are so sorry. The boys will pay for it. And so he looks at the three of us. He's like, you guys, you're, you're paying for whatever expenses it is. And he's, he says to his son, he's like, I don't know. I, I, I might just go ahead and whip you right here. And, um, and he looks at us too, and he's like, I might whip you guys too. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm going to get a spanking from my friend's dad? Like, this is horrible. I haven't got spankings in years. And so finally he's like, all right, I'm not going to whip you too, but you need to go home and tell your parents, and uh, they, will, they will deal with you. I'm thinking, sweet, I'm not telling nothing. And so, so like a year later, we're up north. My dad's up there. All the parents are up there, back at the same place, and there's another knock on the door, and apparently that place had got um, vandalized again. And so he's blaming us. And so we're like, listen, well, this time we really didn't do it. And so my dad hears the whole story, and uh, so he turns to Mr. Linderman, and he says, I'm sorry, he said his name. He turns to Todd's dad, and he says, um, hey, um, the vandalism last year, my son Jim wasn't part of that, was he? And, um, <laughs> and um, the father says, uh, he says, well, yeah, I left it up to his own honor to tell you. And I don't know, was, you know there's you know, maybe like a 45-degree angle between like, the dad's face in my face, but like that slow turn of his eyes to my eyes. It's like, okay. I'm going to be honest. What I feared most in that situation was not any kind of punishment. It was the fact that I had so let my dad down. I, I mean, he had so trusted me, like it didn't even register with him that his son could do something so foolish. Okay. That's the fear of the Lord. It's not that I'm afraid of the consequence that I'm going to have to pay for this thing. I'm going to have to get a ticket. It's the fact that God, I don't want to hurt your heart. What you have and I have is so precious that I fear. There's an awe, there's a respect that I don't want to do anything to harm that. Proverbs 8, 13. The fear of the Lord is to hate evil. Pride and arrogance and the evil way and perverse mouth I hate. Okay? When you see somebody who's gossiping, who has no problem tearing anybody down, that's a person who does not fear the Lord. If you have a person who's just planning their life without any in, kind of input or direction from God, that's a person who does not fear the Lord. That's arrogance. Uh, the person who's plotting ways to just kind of get their own way, even though it might kind of harm somebody, they do not fear the Lord. 
somebody who just is constantly just making crude comments and talking about perverse things, that's somebody who does not fear the Lord. I'm not trying to beat anybody up here. I'm trying to stir up something that's alive on the inside of you that maybe the river's getting a little stagnant. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the beginning of the fear of the Lord is to hate evil. And so if there's things in your life that you know are wrong, I'd encourage you just to say, God, help me to hate that thing. Like, like I, it's just easier for me to do it than to fight it. Lord, help me. Help me right now to just begin to hate that thing, to just see, like, this is poison in my life. Throughout Proverbs, the wise person is the one who loves correction from the Lord, and the fool is the one who laughs at correction, who scorns it. You're not going to tell me what to do. Who do you think you are? The fool is often described as somebody who um, doesn't listen, can't receive correction, is in love with their own opinions, and is a know-it-all. That's like the job description of a fool right there. Listen to Proverbs 1.23. Come back to your senses and be restored to reality. Don't even think about refusing my rebuke. Don't you know that I'm ready to pour out my spirit of wisdom upon you and bring you to the revelation of my words that will make your heart wise? The doorway to the spirit of wisdom is correction from the Lord. Wake up, O sleeper. Are we there? God says, come back to your senses. I'm ready to pour out my spirit of wisdom upon you. So please don't refuse my rebuke. There's a theology out today that says, I've had people from Zion leave here because they believe this, because I taught the opposite. I taught the truth. Here's the theology. It says something like this. is, um, You know what? I'm in Jesus God has graced me, so my father would never point out my mistakes. He would never point out what's wrong with me. He only convicts me of my righteousness. Okay? Boy, that sounds, at a, at a, at a surface level, that sounds like, yeah, like, that's true. Um, who inspired the New Testament? There you go. I know, again, I, I don't blame you. I wouldn't answer me either. Okay? 27 books in the New Testament. Any guesses on how many? I'll just tell you. The answer is 27. 27 out of 27 books of the New Testament. I'm talking little 3rd John, little 2nd John, little Jude, like little books. Warn believers against sin or correct them on their present sin. Guys, it doesn't get more New Covenant than the New Testament. Resurrected Jesus comes and he's like, listen, um, you guys have lost your first love. You better repent. So there's this teaching that says repentance is a work. Once you're saved, all your sins are forgiven. You don't need to repent. Try that in any relationship where you continually blow it with somebody. We're married. We're in covenant. Nothing can break that. I don't need to say I'm sorry. Repentance is not a legal transaction. It's a heart-mending relationship thing where I humble myself and I say, man, I hurt your heart. God doesn't wait to forgive you until you repent. He's already paid for it. It says that times of refreshing come through repentance. Um, Acts 3.19. Okay, so God's waiting with a hug, and when you sin and you don't repent, it says that your Hebrews three says you're deceived, and it begins to harden your heart. You begin to believe lies about God. It begins to harden your heart, and here's the end of Hebrews three. It says that you can turn away from the living God. Jim, I thought you couldn't lose your salvation. Um, it didn't say you could lose it. It said you could choose to walk away from it through the deception and the sinfulness of your heart. Jim, I don't like that. I don't either. I'm just quoting it to you. It gets worse in Hebrews six. It gets even worse in Hebrews ten. Hebrews 10, if we deliberately keep on sinning after we've received the knowledge of the truth, there is no more sacrifice for sins left, only a fearful expectation of judgment. 
Jim, I don't like that. Um, well, then don't live there. <laughs> live over in fear of the Lord. Quick correction, because he's longing to pour out his spirit of wisdom on you, not to give you a spanking. I'm going to close with this thought here. Boy, a little, a little longer than I wanted to. I was bragging to the staff. I'm like, last week I preached 33 minutes. I'm going to keep it under 35. Ah, well. Anyway. At least I did it once, so I can say I did it. Felt good. Listen to Hebrews 12:5. I'm going to continue reading in the Passion Translation. Okay, I guys, I want you to get this to where you love the correction of the Lord. It doesn't make you feel guilty. You're going to see here. It's the strength of a father's discipline with the nurture of a mother's love. You guys ready for this? Hebrews 12, verse, beginning in verse 5. Have those verses been coming up or are they not working today? Oh, they are coming up. Perfect. Awesome. Hebrews 12, 5. I think I sent them this one. I don't know. And have you forgotten his encouraging words spoken to you as his children? Okay. Here's the encouraging word. You ready for this? My child, don't underestimate the value of the discipline and training of the Lord or get depressed when he has to correct you. This is the encouraging word is I love you enough to correct you. I love you enough to help you get rid of that stuff that's a cancer to your destiny. Verse 6, For the Lord's training of your life is the evidence of his faithful love. Okay? Um, this word love is the picture of a nurturing love of a mother. So here you see the strength of the training and the correction of a father. He's got the heart enough to be able to say those hard things, but his discipline's also like the nurturing love of a mother. It's like, I've got good news for you. I love you enough that I'm going to do both. And when he draws you to himself, it proves you are his delightful child. What is correction? Where he's drawing you to himself. Several times um, when the kids were growing up and I had to discipline them, um, I, man, I like had to go meditate on scripture. I had such a tender heart. I just, I did not want to do that. But I would often discipline them on my lap. I would hold the kids in my lap. I would draw them to myself. I never wanted them to think that they had done something that would separate how I feel about them. What's God saying in his discipline? He's drawing you to himself. Listen, we got to take care of this thing. It's going to kill you. I love you enough to point it out, and I love you enough to give you the strength to do it. Verse 7, fully embrace God's correction as part of your training, for he is doing what any loving father does for his children. For whoever has ever, who has ever heard of a child who never had to be corrected? We all should, become, well, we all should welcome God's discipline as the validation of authentic sonship. For we have never once endured his correction, it only proves we are strangers and not sons. And isn't it true that we respect our earthly fathers, even though they corrected and disciplined us? Then we should demonstrate an even greater respect for God, our spiritual father, as we submit to his life-giving discipline. Our parents corrected us for a short time of our childhood, and it seemed good to them. But God corrects us throughout our lives for our own good, giving us an invitation to share in his holiness. Now, all discipline seems more pain than pleasure at the time. Can I get an amen? amen. Yet later it will produce a transformation of character, bringing a harvest of righteousness and peace to those who yield it. Do you want the spirit of wisdom in your life? Ask for it. Ask, him, ask for that fear of the Lord, that spirit of the fear of the Lord. God, there's that reverent awe. And when he corrects you, God, I embrace that. Like, you know, man, it hurts. It stinks to be corrected. You know, he can correct you through friends. He can correct you through pastors. <laughs> Embrace the discipline and correction of the Lord. It's never punishing. It's always for your best and for your destiny. 
or as I just made up, your destiny. <laughs> Finally, here's the last thing, um, quick obedience. Quick obedience. Throughout, throughout the Proverbs, he phrases like this, never forget the things that I've taught you. Follow closely every truth. Be faithful to what you've been taught. Stop and listen to me. Embrace what I say. What's he saying? As you're leaning in, you're hearing that voice of the God, quick obedience. Um, this is a New Testament concept. Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments, John 14, 15. Why? Because everything God tells you is for your destiny. Any correction, he's just warring against something that's trying to destroy you. Okay? I was uh, talking to someone. I was, I was speaking at another church, and this person came out to me, and they said, listen, God's told me to start a new business. I'm like, man, that is very exciting. When did he tell it to you? Six months ago. I said, well, hold on, like, hold on. So you're sure it was a word from the Lord? Yeah, yeah, God told me to do this. So what have you done? I've done nothing. I said, you do not fear the Lord. You've been disobedient for six months? Okay, like, like I hear people tell these stories, oh yeah, God told me to do this, and I've been fighting with them for three months. You don't fear the Lord. Okay, that, that's not like a fun thing. Hey, everybody relates to this. Um, and the goal isn't to just do raw obedience. The goal is you need to go back and ask for the spirit of the fear of the Lord to come upon you so that it's natural and easy. I'm not trying to beat anybody up. I'm trying to wake up the rivers on the inside of you so we can change a city, so you can walk in your destiny. Bobby Connor says, delayed obedience is quick rebellion. Oral Roberts said, the secret to the supernatural being released is quick obedience. Solomon had a wisdom that is unparalleled in history, but he got it from somebody. He got it from wisdom himself. He got it from Jesus. You and I have access to something greater than Solomon had access to. Jesus himself, divine wisdom. 1 Corinthians 1.30 says, Jesus has become our wisdom. Wisdom himself has taken up residency inside of us. And the spirit of wisdom comes in us, out of us, whatever it does. It begins to draw up that wisdom. You guys understand, Solomon, I mean, he, he had a pretty amazing run. There was no crime in the city. Kings from other nations began to come, and they just began to marvel at his place settings and the way his servants were dressed. He had such wisdom shows up in integrity, creativity, and excellence throughout the book of Proverbs. There was, that'll be the manifestation of your life as it, be, as it begins to show up. But you and I have something uh, greater than Solomon had access to. Gang, this is my number one prayer that I pray for, for uh, probably the last 20 years. God, give me a spirit. I feel like I'm understanding it more and more. But I... I'm challenging you guys to make this your prayer. God, I want that spirit of wisdom. I want that hearing ear. I want to hear your voice. God, give me that fear of the Lord. It's just begin to long for that. Something I've been doing is, you know, there's 31 Proverbs. There's 31 days in some months. Um, and so just proverb a day, and the Passion Translation has been amazing. I read them in the morning. I've been trying to read them at night, the same one. So it's the first of the month. Proverbs 1 in the morning. Proverbs 1 at night. And it's just like, it is making me crave wisdom. That, that only comes from him. Okay, here's how we're going to end this thing. I'm going to read Proverbs 8 over you, and I want you to hear the invitation from Jesus himself. So put down your pens if you got any. Um, I don't, this one is not coming up on the screen because I just wanted you to hear it. I know we went a little longer today, but love you. I won't charge you extra for the extra time, okay? <laughs> Proverbs 8. I'm going, to read, uh, I'm going to read 21 verses to you. And I will never apologize for reading large portions of the Word of God because this way, at least you heard something from God today, all right? All right. 
See, it's all about the pacing of the clap, because if, it's too cl if the clapping is too slow, it's a sarcastic clap. <laughs> but you pick up the pace a little bit, and there you go. It's all about the pacing, so that was good. Let's see that. Proverbs chapter 8, verse 1. Can you hear the voice of wisdom? From the top of the mountains of influence, she speaks into the gateways of the glorious city. At the place where pathways merge, at the entrance of every portal, there she stands, ready to impart understanding, shouting aloud to all who enter, preaching her sermon to those who will listen. I'm calling to you, sons of Adam. Yes, to you, daughters as well. Listen to me, and you will be prudent and wise. For even the foolish and feeble can receive an understanding heart that will change the inner being. The meaning of my words will release within you revelation for you to reign in life. My lyrics will empower you to live by what is right. Everything I say is unquestionably true. All my declarations in my mouth can be trusted. All my words are clear and straightforward. If you have an open mind, you'll receive revelation knowledge. My wise correction is more valuable than silver or gold. The finest gold is nothing compared to the revelation I can impart. Wisdom is so priceless that it exceeds the value of any jewel. Nothing you could wish for could equal her. For I am wisdom, and I am shrewd and intelligent. I have at my disposal living understanding to devise a plan for your life. Wisdom pours into you when you begin to hate every form of evil in your life. For that's what worship and fearing God is all about. You will discover that your pompous pride and perverse speech are the very ways of wickedness that I hate. But you will find true success when you find me. For I have insight into wise plans that are designed just for you. You know what? I don't think I can go beyond that. Just get this phrase. I have insight into wise plans that are designed just for you. Lord, I pray right now that there would be such a hope that you have got custom-tailored plans for every individual's life that we can tap into with this spirit of wisdom. I pray for a hunger for it right now. And God, we will begin to say, I, I want wisdom above everything. Everything that I crave in life comes out of this one gift. So Lord, I pray for a spirit of wisdom and understanding, spirit of wisdom and revelation to be imparted. God, just as Paul prayed, that I pray it over our people. I pray it over our city. Let us be people who fear the Lord. If you are here today and uh, you recognize I do not have the fear of the Lord, I, I do not hate the things in my life. Well, listen, let me just meddle here just for a quick second, guys. We're, we are closing. If you are free to get drunk and not feel about it because you think God graces it, you do not have the fear of the Lord. If you're free to go and smoke dope and smoke weed um, because it's just another herb that God created, you're deceived. Okay? You do not have the fear of the Lord. Okay? If, if you're fine with uh, masturbating and looking at materials and sleeping with people who are not your spouses, and because God graces it, it's just normal urges, you're deceived. The fear of the Lord is not on you. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not trying to beat you up. But there's this crazy version of grace that says anything goes. You're just going to keep covering it. You can live however you want. You can live however you want, but there's dire consequences. You will not walk in the spirit of wisdom. You will not walk in your destiny. Okay? Sin does not change the way God feels about you. It will change the way you feel about God. It will deceive you. It will harden your heart so that you cannot hear his voice because you're giving your heart, other to other, other, heart over to other voices. I'm telling you this because we're friends, okay? So if you're here today, I'm not going to have anybody stand. I'm not going to try to embarrass anybody. If you're here today, wake up. 
cut that junk off. Humble yourself right now before God and say, God, I am so sorry. I, I don't fear the Lord the way I know I want to. I do not hate sin the way I want to. God, begin to help me to hate this thing in my life. Okay? Confess it to God. Sin is just the devil's attempt to keep you away from the treasures of wisdom that God has for you. So let's make this our prayer. God, fill me with a holy awe. Let that spirit of wisdom, that fear of the Lord come upon me. God, I long to hear your voice. I long to put my ear to your mouth. I, love to live, I long to live in that revelation flow. Lord, I thank you that I'm not trying to get it. You've already put those seven rivers on the inside of me. Make it so. If you're here today and you do not know Jesus, you've never submitted your life to him, you've never said, God, I live to do your will. God, I want as much of you in my life as possible. Um, I'd like to give you an opportunity to respond to that today. I know it's been, well, we've said some tough things, and it's not made to make anyone feel bad for doing them, um, but there is a better way. And uh, the only way you're going to walk out of that stuff into the plans God has for you is through Jesus. It's not through being good. And I saw uh, Warren Buffett said, there's many ways to get into heaven, and, one of, and this is one of the best ways, speaking of the $37 billion that he gave to a foundation. That will not get you into heaven. And the only way into heaven is through trusting Jesus Christ with your entire life. Not just believing facts about his death. God, I'm trusting you with my life. And so if you're here today and you've never trusted God, and, uh, or maybe it's been a while and you'd like to kind of get back on that path, I'd love to just give you an opportunity. Is there anybody here? I'd just love you just to raise your hand. Jesus said, if you'll confess me before men, I'll confess you before the Father. And just take that bold step and say, listen, I, I want to trust God with my life. Is there anybody in here that will do that? All right. Awesome. Well, I guess, uh, I guess I gave a little harder message to the kids today because they were all kids today. I've been working with this guy who's not a believer. I was hoping he wasn't going to show up today. I'm like, oh, no, this is going to be a hard one. And so, but, you know, God would have worked it out anyway. So, all right, Lord, we love you. We need you. We pray for that spirit of wisdom. We long for it. We hunger for it. Our city needs it. Our families need it. Our businesses need it. Our schools need it. Our government needs it. We bless you in the name of Jesus. Amen.